So this is our final reflection on interior freedom, and in his last chapter, Father Jacques Philippe talks about spiritual poverty and freedom. He says this, Spiritual poverty, utter dependence on God and his mercy, is the condition for interior freedom. We need to become children and consent to expect everything as a gift from God our Father, absolutely everything, moment by moment. And so in order to reflect on this, I'm actually going to read for us the story of the prodigal son, which is a familiar story to most of us, most likely. I'm going to read that from the Gospel of Luke, and then just pull out a few points to show us what does it mean to be free, what does it mean to be spiritually poor, to be a child of God. So let's listen to the Gospel. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. Then he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Lo, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So let's look at each of the brothers and see what that helps us to learn about being a child of God, living in the freedom of spiritual poverty. The young brother, who takes all of the property that belongs to him, that really belongs to his father, and goes off to another land, represents in a lot of ways what we talked about yesterday, uh, the temptation or the, the trap of the flesh. Right? He wants things. He wants money. Um, he wants his own independence. And it says, the scripture tells us, that he 
squandered his property in loose living, right? So he's living in sin. He's falling into the desires of the flesh very easily. And what happens is there's a famine and he finds himself in want, right? So he finds himself actually poor. He doesn't have food to eat. He doesn't have his property anymore. And this causes him to turn back to the father, to recognize that he can't provide for himself, but his father can provide for him. And so he decides to go back to his father and ask for forgiveness. And he plans sort of what he's going to say. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants, right? Make me a servant. I'm not worthy of being your son. And he makes his way back to the father and begins to say these words. And before he can even get to the end of it, the father is already coming out to welcome him. And he doesn't want to make him a servant or a slave. He wants him to be a son, which is what he truly is. And so the father says, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry. So he gives him all these fine things that belong to a son. He gives him the inheritance of a son once he's come back. And so what can we learn from this? I think one thing is that we can continually come back to depend on God's mercy. That oftentimes when we sin, when we turn away from God, we fear coming back to him because we fear punishment. But he is merciful and he wants to draw us back. It's the father's joy to have his son return to him. And this is what it means to live in freedom. That when we do fall, when we do sin, we do turn away from God, we're not stuck there, but we're always welcomed back into God's mercy when we turn to him. And the other thing I think we can learn from the younger son is that to be a child, to be a son, means to receive freely the gifts of God without being worthy of them. The son sees rightly that he deserves the position of a servant, but the father gives him the gifts of a son. And we can learn from him to receive freely the gifts that the Lord wants to give to us. So what do we learn from the second son? Just a few things to point out here. Um, the second son, in a lot of ways, exemplifies what we saw as the second trap, the trap of the law. He says, I never disobeyed your commands, yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. So I, I always followed what you said. I always followed your law. I always followed your commands, and you're not giving me what I want. Right? So this idea that I should, if I just follow the law, then I should get what I want. I should get what I supposedly deserve from the father. I can earn God's love. But the father says, no, this is not true. Son, he says, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. So we see that the true gift here is the presence of the father. You are always with me and all that I have is yours. To be a son is to possess the kingdom of the father. And what we really want, what we, the real treasure here is being with the father. You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. We should meditate with those words um, and imagine the Heavenly Father saying that to us. You are always with me, and all that I have is yours. In other words, the older son seem, seems to think that the father is withholding something from him. But the father says, I'm here. Anything, anything you want, anything you ask from me, it's yours. Everything that I have belongs to you. I'm not holding anything back from you. And it causes jealousy toward the younger brother. And it also causes anger, right? It says, the scripture says he was angry when he heard that the younger brother had returned and had been given this, this feast. He was angry and he refused to go in. He refused to go into his father's house. So sometimes when we are stuck in anger and bitterness, it's ourselves, it's us who prevent, um, we prevent ourselves from entering into God's presence, from entering into his house because of our anger, because of our jealousy, because of our distrust for the father. 
And that's not what it means to be a child. But to be a child is to trust that the Father um, wants to give everything that he has to us, that everything comes from him. And to know that if we possess him, if we possess a relationship with him, if we know him as our father, and um, if he knows us as his children, this is what it means to be truly rich, to have the presence of God, to be with God always. We know that we don't need anything else if we have God. And this is the beauty of the spiritual poverty, knowing that if I have God, I have everything that I need. If I have God, I have everything that I need. And it reminds me of the beatitude. That is really the heart of many of the beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To possess the kingdom of heaven, then, is to possess the king. Just as the father in this parable says to the elder son, you are always with me. And if we know that we are with the father, we can truly enter into his love, receive the gifts he wants to give to us, receive his mercy, and live in the freedom of his children.